0: Before we jump into today's episode, let's talk about time and how 24 hours never seems to be enough to get everything done. As a church leader for a growing church, you eventually realize that you can't do everything on your own. Not well, anyway. Your job is to be the visionary, but instead you spend countless hours on tasks that could be done easily and arguably better by someone else. And that's where the powerful multiplying effects of delegation prove mission critical. Our friends at Belay, the incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistant, bookkeeping, and social media strategist services for growing churches, know the demand on church leaders all too well. In fact, their first client was a pastor, and they've continued to serve them every day for the last 10 years. Belay is offering a free download to all of our podcast listeners of their delegation worksheet and guide to help you determine what only you can do and what should be delegated so you can get back to what really matters, fulfilling your purpose. Just text LIFEWAY to 55123, that's L-I-F-E-W-A-Y, to 55123 for your free download. You're now one step closer to reclaiming precious time every week to do what only you can do. Now on to today's episode.
1: Lifeway. Lifeway LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.
0: Listening to the Group Answers podcast, a weekly show designed to resource train and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Group Answers. My name is Chris Serrat, and again this week I'm going to be your host cuz Brian Daniel, who's normally my co-host, is out. He's got much more important things to do. I'm sure it's got to be. And he's got he's got some meetings that he's got to be at. But I am again joined by my buddy Eddie Mosley. Hey, Hello, hello. I'm so excited to have Eddie in the room. Uh, Eddie's been a friend for a long time. That that probably says how old we are, though, if I, <laughs> yeah. if I go back how long yeah. we've known each other. But uh, Eddie is a group's pastor at Brentwood Baptist here in the Nashville area. And so it's great to have him in the room and talk about some fun stuff. So, Eddie, you're getting ready for uh, the fall. You've got a farm, right? I do. I do. Now, do you go out there and uh, do some crops and things like that?
1: We've changed it into food plots. So, a bunch of hunting buddies and um, do the mowing and the plowing and the sowing and nice. sit and watch wild animals That's the biggest part of it.
0: And how much land you got out there?
1: Uh, there's about 300 acres on it.
0: Golly. Our I, I, just, I just moved out uh, and bought eight acres, and I feel like that's a lot.
1: Yeah, if you're mowing it it is a lot. I
0: do mow it. Yes. <laughs> so. The 300, but you've you've probably got a big tractor with one of those things you pull behind you.
1: We do. We do. Now, you you could uh You don't ride Harleys on our property though. It's, it's four-wheelers or or UTVs. Mm. So, I know you're a Harley rider. So.
0: I am, but I am wanting to get a some to, sort of UTV, ATV, even for my 8 acres to just ride around. So, I am I am kind of in the market for that. Yeah. So, if you got any suggestions on fun stuff. All my neighbors have them. And oh. I'm like, oh, I got to get one.
1: Well, that might be better. It's like a boat or a pool. If your neighbor has it, just use theirs. Just use theirs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a better plan. I see, I'm getting used to this country life. I don't know what that's like. You've known it for a long time, but yeah. I'm yeah. just now getting used to it. So, but, uh, we digress. We have other things to talk about today. What I want to talk about, uh, specifically our affinity groups, And a lot of churches have affinity groups. I get a lot of questions, I don't know about you, Eddie, from church leaders about are affinity groups effective? Should we do them? And I guess we should define them first. Uh, When I talk about affinity groups, it's groups of people who already do something together, like they uh, play softball, or they ride Harleys, or they They play baseball or whatever it is that they already naturally do together, but then they uh, throw some God into it. You know, there's a prayer or sometimes there's even a small Bible study, like at halftime. I've been a part of those for like a basketball league, things like that. But it's just, it's kind of building a group around a community that already exists And so uh, some churches, they do mostly affinity type groups. Um, You know, I think of a church like Church of the Highlands um, in Birmingham where a lot of their groups are what you would call affinity groups. Um, Some churches use them as a kind of an entryway. Into uh, their small group world, the the church that I work with, Harvest, um, they've had affinity type groups, softball leagues, things like that in the past that they saw as a great entryway for, you know, even people that didn't attend church, they would come be a part of the softball league. They would do a prayer, a little bit of a kind of a devotional, and it would at least get them introduced to the idea of doing community. So I'd love to hear from you, Eddie, because you have a lot of experience with this and you, we've talked on the podcast before, I think about your baseball background and how you've been able to kind of connect with other people through baseball. So, First of all, are you a fan of affinity groups? Is that a good thing for a church to invest in? Uh,
1: I think it is. Uh, Investing would be time more than money, probably. Yeah. But yes, uh, anything that draws people together, moving people from where they are into biblical community, which equals spiritual growth uh, over time. Uh, I'm glad you defined it because that was the first note I had made, uh, people understanding what affinity groups are. And it's good that you defined it that way, but your pastor may define it a different way, and that's where it's going to matter. That's a good point. Uh, How does your pastor define affinity groups, and what's the, what's his vision for that? What's the goal uh, for affinity groups? So having that very clear in your role uh, is helpful. I've got about six steps that we go through. Um, and doing uh, an affinity group to disciple-making steps.
0: Talk us through that because I think that when I talk to uh, church leaders, a lot of the worry is that they are going to build – or come alongside social clubs, um, or you know, whatever you want to call them, but they're not going to move anywhere spiritually. That they're not going to go from we like to play basketball together to we are discipling one another. So talk us through those steps. What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So the the fear factor here is is limited. I think if you if you step into it correctly, um, the first thing is we. We look for a person. Um, we'll keep a list of, for us right now, we're involved in a, in a rather large, um, offering. I guess it's a sportsman's group. So that can be kayaking, hiking, shooting, hunting, fishing, whatever it is, golf. Um, all of that's under our sportsman's group right now. Hmm. And so we're offering that group in our group connect. So, if you want to get together with other guys or gals that have the similar interest, we're starting at scratch. So, so we just look for a person who had a sportsman's passion.
0: So, you're going beyond just finding a group that's already doing it to finding somebody who is interested in it and building a group around them. Right. Okay.
1: But our thinking is, currently, that we will find a group already doing that. Hmm. Now, the the wonderful thing about the spiritual growth aspect is they're not just housed in Sunday school on Sunday morning for one hour. These folks do life together. You talk about my baseball experience. I was doing a small group for church on Sunday night. If we got back from the championship game, which we were fortunate enough to be in a lot of Sundays, um, and I would do small group with people from the church, but I did four to five days a week, three days on the weekend. Um and in a couple of practices throughout the week with the same families every day, so I had five days compared to Mm. two or three hours. Yeah, and it dawned on me I should do a small group with these people. We're doing life together. The other groups just studying the Bible and praying and maybe doing a service project. Mm. So my small group went from a couple hours a week to almost every day. We're doing something. Wow. Um, and it lasts for years. Uh, one of the, one of the families we found out, uh, one of our coaches 10 years ago, uh, he coached with us. He is in the hospital with COVID right now. Oh, wow. So that family has stuck together. Yeah. Um, the family system of the Bible. Yeah. So we found a person, um, and, and he is more into kayaking but we also mentioned shooting and all of a sudden we have seven seven people that go skeet shooting and and target practicing so we surfaced that subgroup
0: so when you're looking for that person are you looking for someone who is is a believer as is, is mature enough to basically lead a group or can it be a, a lower bar from a from a regular Small group.
1: Yeah, we try to start with a little bit higher bar Okay. Uh, for this one. And, and it's whoever you're eating lunch with, whoever you're talking to. It's just instead of asking them, you know, where they work, what do you love to do? Mm. What's your passion? And so the second thing is finding that passion. Okay. You know you're not going to have to inspire them to lead this if they have a passion for that. Um, and then the third one is through events. We're doing group connect, um, whatever that group is. Say it's a, say it's a motorcycle group. Um, you just start watching for bikes to come on your campus or you meet somebody at the grocery store who's riding a, a bike and say, hey, man, we, our church got several bikes to get together. Mm. And those guys, I can hook you up with them if you want me to share your phone number or something. Mm. And they start inviting people from the community. And the part, purpose of the events are to build those relationships.
0: So it, it becomes a, an evangelistic tool. Correct. Reaching outside of the, the normal circles. Yeah. It,
1: it can easily be that. So we found a person, uh, we found out what their passion is, uh, and we offer some events, help, help him or her, um, promote some events so that they gather the larger congregation together. Um, and then our job as a minister is to spend time with that leader.
0: Okay.
1: Um, disciple him or her.
0: Um, so there's some coaching some, involved. So you're for sure. Cause I, I think, uh, a lot of times when I think affinity groups, I think we are basically finding a group of people that already do something, offering to resource them maybe with some type of a short study or devotional or whatever, but then releasing them and not, and you don't really have to coach them that much, but you're talking about it's a little bit more.
1: Yeah, it, they're, they're a leader. Yeah. And so our job is to equip those leaders. So if we can equip that motorcycle leader, um, and they can have a, a crew. I, one of my big principles is share the load. The leader does not have to plan the motorcycle rides. I know there's a lot into that. The leader does not have to take attendance or send prayer cards for somebody that's sick. The, the leader is leading all of those. And so if you're leading the leader, coaching the leader, mentoring the leader, uh, and then discipling the leader, you're you're living the example for them to live with that group. Mm. And so spend some time with that leader and um You might call it training. That's more life on life and and coaching element. Um, And then as that group gets larger, you can subgroup it.
0: Mm. So
1: if you've got 40 motorcycles riding together now, um, that leader has been mentored and trained by you to find where God's at work among those 40 to take them a little deeper.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Do you require the groups to do anything specifically? Like, do they does it have to involve some type of prayer? Do they have to do some kind of a study or devotional? What What, what does it look like as far as content for these groups?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. What we require, but through that coaching and mentoring of that leader, who may start out just as a a, a ride organizer, um, then begins to realize there's a spiritual element here. Um, and so it's more of a of a a growth process than it is a requirement,
0: hmm.
1: so they move from just writing to um you know they do the prayer before they leave. i think all all clubs do that that relate to the church in any way mm-hmm. um and and then there'll be a um the subgrouping of disciple making could pick up a resource. I don't okay. think the whole group has to do a study.
0: Okay, so you're not requiring, or requiring, that's a, that's a big word, but you're not asking these affinity groups to definitely do some type of study, but you're hoping that as they kind of go along the way that they can maybe form groups out of that right. that are doing more of a study, okay.
1: Yeah, um, so it's it's kind of the, uh, the Robert Coleman basic plan of evangelism. I don't know if you've uh, read that recently. You should have read it. Uh,
0: it's been pro- a few months, but yeah, yeah.
1: Probably every year we need to look back uh, at it because right. I'm amazed. Yeah, but one of the one of the first chapters he talks about choosing who to disciple and looking into who where God's at work. The old experiencing God, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, should be a requirement for every Christian as well. Yes, um, by Henry Blackaby. But the idea of we we've got a group they're going on events. My leader notices as I've trained him and coached him or her. Um, God's at work in two or three people. They've made friends. So there's a natural relationship, uh, to begin a discipleship group. We are, we are really using, um, Greg Ogden's, uh, Essentials for Disciple Making. Yeah. I believe, I believe that's the title. Yeah. But Ogden's book, um, walks through about eight of the, the basic disciplines and practices of a Christian and gives you a chance to discuss it. So you subgroup the leader finds two or three that maybe interested in a little bit deeper study, and they meet on a different time, and they Mm -hmm. could work through this book. um, And I could be leading this leader through this book at the same time. And so you begin to move from a a large 40 bikes riding to four guys going into deeper discipleship.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. I I think what I'm hearing, Eddie, is that have an intentional plan um, behind them, that we're not... We're not just gathering people just because they need to be gathered because, you know, people are already probably in groups like this. You know, I have guys that I ride Harley's with, um, but we're doing it intentionally to get them somewhere and to k- take them down a discipleship path. So I love that you have resources in mind. So if if there is a an affinity group leader who is ready to take somebody, you know, on a spiritual journey, well, here's a book that you guys can can talk about that you can walk through. Um, Lifeway also has resources like that available. Um, you know, be it would be really easy to use like a smallgroup.com or, right. or something like that, um, that is just standalone Bible studies. But just having some type of plan and expectation so we know where we want to take people.
1: It, it And it's uh, America, Western culture, so much caught up in numbers. Uh, well, we don't have 40 bikes. We only have three. Well, that's perfect. That's great. And you need to be okay with that. But we continually, every time somebody wants to start a small group or I ask somebody to start a small group formally through our church, they'll say, I don't know any other church members, which I think is exciting because that means all their friends are unchurched exactly, um, for the most part. Um, or I don't have enough people. We only have four other couples. Well, you look at your living room, average living room in our culture, um, 12, 15, 16 people is going to be plenty to fill that room. But that's not enough for America. Mm. We need to have fifty or sixty. Got to pack that thing out. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, who's to say if only one couple shows up, God doesn't have you uh, designed to disciple that one couple? Yep. Or their marriage issues is going on. So yep. I I've really moved. Uh, we we still count numbers. I mean, we still report every Monday. You know, how many total was in worshiping? How many total attended a Bible study group? Uh, I look more at, um, who's engaged, look at the names more than the numbers, mm-hmm. but I've moved away from, I've got to have 20 people to start something. Yeah. Th- this is not college. This doesn't happen. That have to have enough people to make. You remember the old college classes? Yes. Uh, it yeah. didn't make. Uh, if God's in charge of it, 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 it he sends who, who needs it. So.
0: Yeah. I, I talk about it all the time that, um, some of the best small group experiences that I've had. And the ones, honestly, that I remember the most were the nights that we had one other couple or two other couples. And uh, I'll be honest with you, a lot of those times I was tempted to cancel and say, what's what's the use? Is this gonna be? And it ends up being something that is a discipleship conversation that I remember um, forever. And so it, I also think that culture may be coming Back a little bit away from those large gatherings. I mean, with COVID and the pandemic, sometimes it's not even safe to have that packed room anymore. Those ton of people. So it's even better if we can get just a handful of people uh, alongside us. So I, I think it may be changing over. And I wrote in my first book, I said, "Don't even really try to start a group unless you can get this mean people together, um, because it's hard to really launch and keep it." I I don't know that that's really the case anymore.
1: It 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 possibly not. Yeah. Hey, for the detail folks, let me go through those six steps. Yes, please they do heard six, and I didn't detail them close enough. So you find a person, find out what their passion is, help them throw events. Help them watch for subgroups, and you're helping them. Meaning, you're coaching, you're mentoring right along with it. So four is is find those subgroups. Uh, five is is find out who you want to invite into a discipleship relationship, and that may be where you plug in the Ogden book uh, eventually. Uh-huh. And then the sixth step is that multiplication. Those you've been discipling, you can keep discipling. You can meet four weeks in September, but by the second week of October. If I'm discipling you, Chris, I expect you to pick up two or three guys and start on week one mm-hmm. while we're on week six. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's all in the same semester. You've got two or three subgroups going on at the same time.
0: That's great. So six steps to move from affinity strictly affinity to discipleship, and uh, it can be done. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it done. All right, Eddie, thanks so much. That's incredible knowledge. Thanks for hanging out with me, and thank you for listening, and we'd love it if you would subscribe and get it automatically wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to rate us, five stars only. We, that's all we take <laughs> but if you want to give us a five star especially in the Apple world that helps get out the, the word about the podcast and I believe next time Brian Daniel will be back but uh, until then we'll see